cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species, organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose, to add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy, the definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the mirror universe. The mirror universe has never been so treacherous. Hello and welcome to the Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Kenny, and I play the Captain, Nathaniel Quinn. And I'm Rick, I play uh, the evil Dr. Margon in the uh, alternate universe, and the nice... Counselor Margon in the regular universe. I'm Jen. I play Commander Savril and Lieutenant Ryla Drett. So on today's show, we have a few readings, about four of them, moving the story along. The action is ramping up, and we will discuss the story so far, give our final thoughts, and I think that's going to do it. We are the Borg. Life as you know it is over. You have entered our RPG space. You will adapt to the story so far. The first post was written by Wraith1701 and read by Moyer777. As the Thaleron generator buried deep within its engineering room near critical mass, Vasa's ship altered its course. Skirting the gravity well of the nearby planet Taras, the Klingon ship swung around and accelerated toward the command vessel of the Borg Cooperative's fleet. In the corridor leading away from the ship's bridge, two Klingon guards struggled with a disheveled Terran slave. While he tried to present a detached, stoic mane, the slave couldn't help but flinch as the Klingon guard's fist smashed into his gut. As the man doubled over, a second guard trapped his neck in the crook of his arm, pinning his head in place like a vice grip. The overwhelming stench of the warrior's sweat-stained leathers and body odor, combined with the fumes issuing from his decayed, yellow-toothed mouth, nearly served to knock the slave into submission. The series of brutal kicks to his ribs finished the job, and a final kick yielded a sickening, muffling crack, followed by a knifing jolt of biting agony. The slave's attempt to cradle his aching side was interrupted as the two guards violently grasped his arms, dragging him backward down the corridor. His bare heels bounced painfully on the cold steel deck plating as he gazed up at the smoke-stained ceiling panels rushing past, his vision teetered on the edge of darkness. Tugah! Hitch down, we go star! The slave frowned in confusion, the words barely registered. Despite his having grown up a slave of Klingons, the pain of his shattered rib was clouding his thoughts. The man had to struggle to piece together the guard's meaning. Wigglestar, we are approaching? 
Approaching what? Hitzjah. The word had something to do with ship functions. The slave shook his head in an effort to clear it. He had the feeling that he was missing something important, but the nagging urge to react was overshadowed by the temptation to slip away into the pain-free realm of unconsciousness. And then it hit him. Hitzjah means airlock. They really intended to space him. Fear over his rapidly approaching demise flooded the slave with a surge of adrenaline, adrenaline and a flood of microscopic Borg gifts bestowed on him by Aria. A feeling of strength and well-being washed over the slave, and as his broken ribs began to knit back together, he gave an eerie cackle. <laughs> this Patak has finally lost his mind, one of the guards remarked. His lip curled into a cruel sneer. That's right. Keep laughing, Catan. You're about to go for a nice little trip outside to stretch your legs. Maybe get a bit of fresh air. <laughs> As the trio drew towards the portal leading to the airlock, Catan began to convulse. The guards tightened their grip on him and were alarmed to see his skin writhing. It was as though his muscles had taken on a life of their own and were struggling to break free from their fleshy prison. Blessed are the gifts of the cooperative, the slave muttered with a smile. As the guards began to shout in alarm, Catan halted their progress, standing upright, and lifted each Klingon free off the deck. He then pivoted at the waist, smashing both warriors face first into the metal wall of the corridor. As the two guards slid to the floor in an unconscious heap, Catan turned and took off at a sprint, his bare feet slapping rhythmically on the steel deck plating. As he drew near the bridge, his smile grew into an insane-looking grin of joy. Our next post was written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Meds. Michael's team. Running through the corridors, Michael shouted at his team he had been lucky so far and had not been hindered by any resistance to their mutiny. From behind, he heard a cry and then a splash of sparks. Turning, he saw two of his team fall. Phaser burns spread across their chests. Halt! You will lay down your weapons! Michael pushed a crewman in front of him and then fired from over his shoulder. His phaser fire hit the security guard in the face. The crewman in front dropped to his knees and then double tapped his phaser, hitting the security guard perfectly. Michael slapped him in the shoulder. Excellent shooting! The crewman looked up and simply shrugged. Standing near to the raised entrance walkway to main engineering, he held his hand up. Lads, this is it. Jones, what do you see? Jones leant out and peered around the corner. Two guards stood to attention, but the main doors to engineering were open, allowing several crewmen to walk in and out, carrying various panels. Jones concentrated on a new team that walked out. They carried a large box and headed straight towards them. Michael, a team are heading our way carrying a service box. This is our chance. Michael nodded, and they slipped into the shadows to await the engineering team. As they turned the corner, they waited a few seconds before pouncing out and silently knocking the men unconscious. A few minutes later, clothes had been exchanged, and one of the men hid in the service box. This is comical, thought Michael, as they casually walked past the security guards at the main entrance. The recent battle had hit engineering very hard, and people worked hard to get the damage fixed, and thus no one had noticed the strangers. Michael hit the top of the box, and the lid flew open, and out jumped one of the mutineers. Firing his phaser, he hit one of the passing engineers, knocking him out. The sound of the blast signalled the other men, who ran round the corner, and immediately took out the surprise security officers. 
Michael ran to his left, while Jones went to the right, and then they took command of engineering. Walking to the main engineering control panel, Michael looked at the flashing lights and various images that flickered on the screen. This meant nothing to him, and he didn't care. His job was to take out engineering, and engineering was now in his charge. Our next post is also written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Hawkeye Meds. Lorna's team. Leaving Michael and her henchman Reese had worried her. She'd only just been in discussions about a mutiny, and now she was in charge of a ragtag team heading to Main Bridge to murder the Admiral. Doubt crept in her mind, and she began to slow down and then to a stop. She stood and looked back at her team, who in turn began to look around. She dipped her head slightly, and as she went to speak, a phaser blast hit her friend Negan in the neck, killing him instantly. Lorna cried out, and this suddenly fired up her team. They all shouted, and jumped over their fallen comrade. Lorna spun round and ran at the laughing security. The taller of the two went to swipe her, but she ducked and punched him straight in the groin, and as he fell, she punched him again in his neck, cracking his larynx. The second guard went to shoot her, but he was jumped upon by a frenzied crowd who ripped at his clothes and began to tear at him. Lorna looked at the guard's body as he was thrown into the air. She was shocked that she found herself enjoying the spectacle. Move on, she shouted. The torn body of the guard lay still and motionless as the second mutineer unit headed to the main bridge turbo lift. Tears dropped down her cheeks as she ran. Her friend had just been murdered. Her life had been turned upside down, and now the Empire that she knew was being taken over by aliens. She punched the turbo lift door and spun round. This is it! Are you with me? The team screamed in obedience, and the turbo lift door opened, and they calmly walked in. Standing in the middle of the crowd, her phaser held to her cheek. She rubbed the metal against her skin and closed her eyes. She could feel the pulse of the turbo lift as it headed upwards. Her heart began to beat faster and faster and faster. The adrenaline pumped through her veins and beads of sweat began to develop on her brow. She began to bounce a little on the balls of her feet and opened her eyes as she glared at the door and watched as it drifted open. The last post was written by Jen, Just X, and Star Trek Fanatic 5. And it's read by Jen. The art of persuasion was one of Arya's many talents. Depending on Quinn's mindset, her suggestive remarks had the potential of enticing him to do any number of things. The captain was the more powerful telepath, but Arya was cunning and seductive, making her all the more dangerous. Reaching out to the cooperative queen was a risky venture, and the stakes were high too high for Savril. It would have been better to end his life and destroy the body than permit him to fall into the cooperative's hands. But she couldn't bring herself to kill the captain. She didn't know Quinn, but she sensed qualities within the newcomer that intrigued her, and those qualities encouraged her trust. Arya severed the operative's link to the hive after the Vulcan rejected her queen. Savril no longer felt the comfort of the cooperative's order but the door had been left open, and the agent knew her way home. She glanced to Quinn. His eyes were closed, and his mind was focused. 
Nathan began to twitch as he struggled against the current of unified cooperative minds. Savril recognized his involuntary movements as a side effect of the hive link. Savril's involvement had the potential to increase Quinn's chances of success. She quickly decided to reinforce Quinn's effort. She would monitor the exchange between the two, and if necessary, break the connection between them to prevent Arya from negatively influencing him. The Vulcan stepped closer and extended her hands towards the stranger known as Nathaniel Quinn. Reese began to object, but ceased his complaints when he noticed Nathan's expression relax at her touch. The pressure of her fingertips upon his temple, cheekbone, and chin helped to clear the torrent of cooperative voices and center his mind. It wasn't long before he found the one individual he sought. Billions of voices danced in her mind, but she could still feel Quinn's attempt at contact. Arya felt the impression of the stranger as his thoughts reached out to her, aided by the one she allowed to go free. She smiled softly to herself. There was more than enough room in her thoughts for this visitor. Arya enjoyed the feel of his mind, the strength of it, the nobility of the man. He had so many things that she desired, and she needed to satisfy those cravings. Greetings, Nathaniel, the queen of the cooperative thought. We have spent considerable energy searching for you and keeping your infection at bay. It is now time for you to come to me. You must be cured. Her voice produced a blinding euphoria that was so intense, the sensation caused Nathan to shiver. This was how her influence was initiated. Savril sensed the manipulation and moved her consciousness between Arya and Quinn to filter the effect, reducing the euphoria to a mild serenity. He quickly regained his wits and addressed the Queen. I know you, Arya James. You exist in my universe as well. Where I am from, your mother and father serve aboard my ship. The people I know as your parents would not be happy with what you've done here. I wonder... Where are your parents in this reality? Do they know what you've become, or have they been reduced to drones? We do not reduce anyone. We elevate them, Arya said softly. I am not from this reality either. If you know of my father, then you know of the man that sired me. He and I are unique. There are no other versions of us in the multiverse. Which begs the question, how do you think that you know me? Quinn was taken back by her revelation. He could feel that she was telling the truth. She was, in fact, the daughter of his first and second officers. Despite Savril's attempt to aid Quinn, Arya pressed past the Vulcan and probed his mind for answers. The weight of the cooperative poured behind her probe and into the door that he had opened to them. She needed to know what he knew. They were many, and he was only one. Quinn was a powerful man, but he was just a stone in the stream. He was simply a tree in the storm. He would bend, or he would break. Arya felt his resistance, stronger than she anticipated, and knew that to push further would damage him. She did not want him damaged, and he held his secrets too closely for her to simply take them. His resistance only proved to her that he was worthy of her intention. Trillions of calculations raced through her mind, and she knew exactly what she needed to do. You have a clone, Quinn said as the mind of the cooperative battered his defenses. The moment she heard the explanation, Quinn felt the probe cease. It was as if the eye of the hurricane had swiftly passed over him. 
The voice that echoed in Quinn's mind sounded grieved by the knowledge. Nathan pushed back, seeking the key to her reaction, and swiftly discovered it. She had once believed that her parents were the ones lost, but in fact it was she who had vanished from their lives, only to be replaced. Nathan sensed fragments of grief and confusion. She had hoped she had been missed. He didn't know much regarding the circumstances that stole her away from the universe he knew, but he felt it necessary to share the facts that he was given regarding the binary clone's creation. Your father did mourn you, and your mother would have, had she known you. What you may not understand is that Savril's history was altered by the time shift. She did not meet your father until recently, and because of this, you were never conceived. Eric's nascent heritage allowed him to feel the shift coming, and before you vanished completely, your Katra was transferred to him. When he became a member of my crew last year, the computer's holographic representation collected samples of DNA from your parents without their knowledge, and recreated your body to hold your Katra. I know exactly how he came to acquire my Katra, Nathan, but what he did with it concerns me greatly. Arya projected with an icy calm. What would have been intense emotions had been replaced with cool logic. I must meet with my parents and see this sibling of mine. I will transport you to my vessel. You can accompany me for my visit. It was not a question. Arya was going to see her father and Quinn would be joining her. She was his only way back to his universe, and he would have to meet with her personally for that to take place. Given the newly received information, she adapted her plans and reached out to one of her agents within the fleet. She would bring an escort with her when she traveled to the other universe. She had a very specific agent in mind for this mission. After her orders were received, she turned her attention back to Nathan and his allies. She had no time to debate with him. Her limited nascent heritage could not keep the rift stable indefinitely. She was also more than eager to meet this captain from her birth universe. Prepare for transport, she informed him, as the cooperative worked to get past the distortion in the rift. Okay, so for the story so far, where are we at? Many things have happened. Really? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it. All right, we're done with the story That's so far. <laughs> All I know is this. All I know is that you assigned me a post with massive amounts of cling on it. Thank you so much, Wraith. I really appreciate it. <laughs> And to you, to you, sir, I lift my my tankard of blood wine and I say kapla. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I assigned that to you before I actually read it, and I didn't realize how heavy and Klingon it was going to be. But if anybody can pull it off, I knew Rick would. So you know, I I read. Sorry, <laughs> I read in on a Twitter post one time. I think it was Billy Bob wrote. Um, how do you pronounce this Klingon? Or maybe it was Meds. I don't remember. I think it was Meds. Yeah. He was having trouble with with the Klingon, and he posted it in Twitter. And um, Celestial Teapot responded back and said, "Pretend like your tongue has offended your teeth." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the perfect response. So <laughs> yeah, just do a lot of that. I just put like slimy pickles in front of me and some night crawlers, and I'll do fine. There you go. Yes. Gah. <laughs> so um, clear my throat a few times. Yes, of course. So uh, what we have with the first post, it was Wraith, and which was with 
the was this the introduction of Catan into the Mirror Universe? Yeah, well, he's been there, but we has didn't he know been there? He yeah, that's right. Yeah, but they didn't name him because right. he, he was he was the the Terran slave that was slave. on the ship. And I I've read a few of those posts, and I was wondering who is this guy. I and was hoping he would reveal him as a main you know as a character. Finally I just thought he was going to be a throwaway character. I was like, dude, this rocks. This yes. is like the reveal. Whoosh. It was. I thought that was very cool when when he announced it, it was Katan and yeah. became superhuman and smashed those Klingons' faces into the wall and. Well, I guess so. Gee whiz, it's like yeah. this is cool. Yeah, well, that's the the enhancements of the cooperative. Mm-hmm. Well, it kicked they, in with the adrenaline. And there there are some advantages to that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, enhance the strength. So that was really cool. So basically, that's what that post was. It just it established who this Terran slave was and. And now he's fighting his way to get away from the Alliance, which is pretty cool. And he's and, trying to stop them from using their Thaleron generator or whatever it is. He's doing that too, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the cooperative spy on the Alliance ship. Yes. One of them. The one I'm that – I'm assuming like, she has many. Yeah. Well, I think she's on. he's on the one where the, the crazy Klingon wants mm. to destroy mm. the – That's the right. Boss. Everybody. Yeah. Voss, the crazy Voss. illusions of grandeur, man. Yes. yes. And then we have uh, two great posts by Hawkeye Meds of just ordinary people leading the rebellion, the mutiny. I guess it's not a rebellion, it's a mutiny. Some of your hometown people just fed up with the <laughs> system. They're going to stick it to the man. Right? That's right. Yeah, we have one team that's being led by a, uh, a person named Michael, and the other team is Lorena. Yep. Or Lorna. 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 Yeah. Lorna. Lorna. I like Lorena, though. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Lorna. I a song called Lorena. I like it. But, uh, but Michael's team is actually heading to Engineer, mm-hmm. and they actually made it there and commandeered Engineer, so now they're in control of Engineer. Engineer. Yeah. Yeah, engineering. Mm-hmm. And then the other team are headed to the bridge, aren't they? To yes, to there. assassinate Talbot. That's right. Ooh. He, better, he better get out of there. I'm like, what? I, I don't know what they have intended to plan, you know, what yeah. they're going to do with them, but... Yeah. yeah, it's very. I just I I like his little tidbits into these people's yeah. lives. Well, Talbot needs to to buddy up with Zrem because the two of them hate each other, but they're both targets. That's right. All of the aliens yeah. on the ship are in trouble. Yeah, so we'll see Not what happens. Good, it's a good day. Is xenophobe? Is that uh, fear uh-huh. of aliens? Fear of yeah. aliens. Yeah, they've xenophobia. got themselves a bad case of xenophobia. Yep. That'd be yeah. a great video game too. Xenophobia. <laughs> I think it was. Do you remember that? It was a video game. Do you remember that video game back in the uh, – this is completely off the subject, but it, it was cool. It was xenophobia, <laughs> and you walked around the ship, and you shot aliens because you were scared of them. That was a great, great video game. But that's I'm been appara- before my I'm, time. Well, no, I think it's apparently the – I'm the only one that played it, and that's yeah. – <laughs> It didn't catch on, I guess. I and guess. Okay, sorry. It had a really cool joystick, though, and it was a stand-up <laughs> arcade game. It was really cool. Yeah. I remember the sound effects. I try to do them for you, but I don't want to hurt anybody's ears. Okay. <laughs> okay, so anyway, yes. Yes, that's what's happened. But then then let's talk about the cool mega post by uh, <laughs> both of you guys and Just X, because it was really good. It was, but you know, I have to admit, I didn't do anything other than change one or two things with Quinn, but... I think Jen and Just X wrote most of it, the majority oh. of it. I don't even know if – Jen, did you write a lot of it or did you guys I, – I wrote a lot of it, and then I would send it to Chris, and he would write um, what he wanted to for Arya. Okay. And then we'd 
kind of went back and forth a few times yeah. that way before we fa- passed it to you yeah. for your stamp of approval because we knew you were really <laughs> you were really really busy lately and yeah so I wrote a lot of your dialogue for you yeah and I think the only thing I changed was they when they initially sent me the post it was they Aria just kind of went right into Quinn's mind with ease you know to retrieve the information about her parents. And I'm like, well, Quinn is this super huge telepath that Arya really wants. You'd think he'd be able to put up a defense better than than they did. And they and, and Chris actually changed it to make it what I think is it felt more real. You know, he she struggled for a little bit, but she does get through. And he uh, he also offers it to her. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew she wanted to know what, so he was being you know he was selectively giving her the memories that. Yeah. She wanted. I didn't think about that because my concern was that Quinn would be hesitant to offer her that information, knowing what type of person she was in the mirror universe. And if he gave her that information, what would she do with it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As far as knowing, okay, you have a clone in the mirror universe. Yay. I mean, in the alternate (laughs) universe. Yeah. Now get ticked off. Let's see what happens. (laughs) And what does she do? She's mad. Yeah. But I think it turned out pretty good. Okay, what I liked – okay, now I didn't have any – absolutely no contribution to this post or many of the previous ones. <laughs> For the past but, few months. Yeah, but I have to say that – but I have to say this. I have to say I really like the idea of Arya, Arya – you say Arya, I say Arya. Um, I really like the idea of this field trip here that she's working on. I think that's a cool idea. And and uh, I like I I wouldn't have I don't know why I didn't catch that before. Did we talk about that before of her trying to go figure? Th- anyway, no, great twist in the story, and I really like it. Oh, good. Well, it's been in in it's part been of in, a plan. Yeah, I think it was in the outline too, wasn't okay. it? Okay. Yes, right. well, I think anyway. so. Yeah, because that's you, how we end up on, in Act Three. Yeah, well, you you skillfully yeah. wove it to that and and got it to point in the right direction, and I really enjoyed it. So all Chris, but yes, I, I like that. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much, Chris. Yes, <laughs> but no, it was a, it was a really well done post, and it like I said, it I think all four of these posts kind of heighten the action. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. You have Catan about to you know do his thing on the Alliance ship. You have Michaels who's down in engineering about to take over that. You have uh, Lorna who's about to take over the bridge and try to assassinate the aliens on the bridge and Admiral, and then you have. Arya, who's about to abduct Quinn to the cooperative, mm-hmm. so semi-abduct. Well, uh, he did. I didn't read any kind of permission in there. No, <laughs> he is saying prepare to transport. No, that's true. Period. He's not she saying would you like to be transported to my ship. No. Yeah, yeah. He's not offering himself. She's just saying, "This is what we're doing. This is it. You're going with me. Let's go." But yeah. he did. He is willing. In another post, though, he did volunteer himself I, to thrill. Like, yes. no, we can't. We can't let this happen. I'm, I'll just offer myself. I'm gonna. Yes, you're right. Sacrifice he did. myself. He was gonna sacrifice himself mm-hmm. to save everyone else. Yeah. So that, but but that was on his terms, and right now she doesn't know what his terms are right she doesn't care and she doesn't have time no, to argue just as the post him. indicates <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to argue about time we just don't have the time <laughs> so i have to say that like a drunk diana yes yes um so yeah so what go that's yeah where we are that's where we are that is where we are yeah that's where we're at so i look forward to seeing where this goes this is all developing for me 
I mean, it's staying with the outline, but it's still it's interesting. And I know of some things that are that are about to come up, so I'm excited about those. Mm, I wonder what they are. Lots of some things. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. we are looking forward to where this goes, and um, I think the scenes in the that's RPG. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I definitely think Act Two is is ramping up with the action. So cool. It is, and it's about to become Act. Yeah. Three. Three. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, definitely. Very shortly. <laughs> so how many licks does it take to get to the center of the RPG plot? One. One. Two. A two. Crunch. A three. Three. That's three. Three. <laughs> three licks. <laughs> Do we just tell everyone how old we were? <laughs> you Will know, that's funny you say that. good to me? <laughs> yeah. So funny. You know, I actually wrote a sermon one time called How Many Licks Does It Take to Get to the Center of a Tootsie Pop Roll? I think I listened to that. Why yeah. does that sound familiar? Maybe you mentioned it to me before. I think I mentioned it. You may have listened to it too. I don't know. I, can't, I, I just remember doing that and thinking to myself, I'm old. I'm really old. <laughs> I not, remember that little owl on the tree and the little just, guy cartoon people. You're seasoned. That's what – oh, I love that. Thank you. I will now refer <laughs> to myself as Seasoned Rick. <laughs> I like that. Especially with all your cooking stuff that you've been doing recently. Oh, yeah. Bam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> That's, that reminds me. Let's just kick this show up a notch. Bam. Bam. Either that or do you remember Justin Wilson, the Cajun cook? No. No, I don't. Oh, oh my no. gosh. Now, I'm you're the only one that remembers. See, I remember <laughs> xenophobia, and you remember whatever his name is. Cajun cook. Garantee. That's what he'd say. And oh, I know that. I know that saying. Yes, and he'd have a little bit of, like, um, bourbon or something that he was putting in his in his um, gumbo or whatever he was making, and he'd take a little swig of it and go, put a little more in there, put a little more, take a little swig, put a little more. <laughs> <laughs> he'd drink right on the episode. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That was a diversion. Yeah, I'm like, there we go. I nice tangent. I enjoyed it. All right, it so I – oh, let me just finish this up, and then we can go off into all the great tangents. <laughs> so I think uh, – Rick, Nothing. don't make me mute you here. <laughs> I'll mute my oh, – nope, I'll – all right, so that's going to do it for the story so far. <laughs> Got it in. Whew. Whew, okay, so now we're on to our final thoughts. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. Plug into your alcove as we communicate our final thoughts. And I have absolutely none. <laughs> I do. I have final thoughts. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Excuse me. Um... Be- even I mean, despite the fact there is a, f- a small number of posts these past couple of weeks, I think that the action and the quality is really ramping up. Oh yeah, yeah. The, just hearing the last ready room and hearing the the readings that the the people did last week, the story was really intense and and action packed, and you really wanted to know what happened next. Yeah. Even though I-, I know what happened next. <laughs> can, I, just- can I say? How much? I'm, uh, uh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't do this because everybody does such a great job in reading. But but meds, dude, you are rocking it. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, when you first started reading, it was good, but you have really improved. And that last one you read, wow, it was, it was rocking. Great. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was on I, the edge of my seat, even though I was walking. I was on the <laughs> edge. I was on the edge of my seat. It was very dramatically red, and and um, and I enjoyed the mix of music that you put behind things, Kenny. You did a really good job with that. So thank you. The, the past few podcasts, I've really been trying to pick songs because normally I'm, you know, I'm so busy. I'm pinched for time. I try to listen to some and match it just to like a, you know, a point in the in the in the reading right. and right. make it, you know, not too horrible you know like if there's this dramatic thing i don't want to put comedy music right right but these last few po- the last few writers i've been trying to actually pick songs and you know listen to the post reading and then try to pick a song that's appropriate to it so well you did great and i just i really enjoyed but it. your stuff has been great also rick i've got i've got some new tense i've added that. i've I, you know i don't know if you know i'm sure you know your music but yes i've, I do. I've been using quite a bit of your music and uh the the tenser stuff the darker stuff it's working perfect yes. for a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so. I just I just noticed a vast improvement in Mads in his readings, and and uh, they're really good. Yeah, everybody everybody does, everybody does a great job. I just everybody, but, I, but no. you're right. No, Mads particularly last week. I think he got a lot of praise on the forums for it too. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Um, right. so yeah, so he he definitely, you know, and he he of course contributes it to Jen and her reads. So. Well, no, well, he's Jen, an actor, though. Yeah, but, <laughs> and that's Jen, why he rocks the house. He's an actor. But, but Jen, I'm telling you, you're the staple of our RPG readings because you just you knock it out of the park every time. So, oh, yeah, you're beyond if praise. I, if I could, if I yeah, if I could do your accent, I would. But you have no accent. <laughs> accent so. Oh, I have to point this out. I thought it was funny when I was reading right. Med's recent posts. Yeah. You could tell he's from England because he always puts in mate or lad, even though it's a woman or a guy who's talking. Uh-huh. Right, you know, and it's not always the Colin because you know we know the Colin from t- uh, Australia, the character. I need to, Colin. I need to ask a question from our friends across the pond. What does "cheeky monkey" mean? Cheeky monkey. It's such a cheeky Clever. monkey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe, maybe our, maybe our groupie uh, Mike will send oh, us. Oh, he doesn't like comment. that. Term. I know. <laughs> It does not mean what you think it does. Do not trust Wikipedia. Groupie <laughs> is definitions. I think no, no. I think groupie back in the day, to, in re- yeah. reference to like a band. Yes, that's what it would have meant. You know, when it's like he a said, fan. It, that's yes. what it means now. I think. And now it's more of just a fan. So yeah. we can we can we can call him a ready room fanatic. Yes, yeah, that would work. That's too close to your, like... your title Let's name. Ask him. Star Trek yeah. Let's ask him what he, what he would prefer. Okay. <laughs> I know what I know what I want him to be. I want him to be a roadie. A roadie. A roadie. <laughs> so that when we go on tour, he can carry our no, stuff no, no. for us. No, that's what Billy Bob is, because he Bob's does recordings for us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Billy Bob's that's the roadie. The roadie. <laughs> that's awesome. And then who's who's Meds? Meds. Meds writes for us, so he's, a, he's one of the band members. Okay. No, 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 no. Meds is a cheeky monkey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, do we have anything else? Any other final thoughts? Other than you guys want to send in comments, uh, we're more than happy to play them. Or talk if you want to send emails, just send, send them to the ready room. Uh, the ready room. What is our thing? The ready room podcast, podcast. at gmail.com. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the ready room podcast at gmail.com. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that is going to do it for this week's The Ready Room. I'm Rick. And I'm Jen. And this is Kenny, Hailing Frequencies Closed. 
music on this podcast was performed by Rick Moyer or his royalty-free music. Also, I would like to thank Metrano 7 for the introduction music. The bald head captain had a very shiny head And if you ever heard him make it so is what he said All of the other captains, they used to look up to him Until Wolf 359, when they encountered the Borgified him then in one so daring move, Riker saved the day. Data and Worf take a shuttle craft, get to the cube and get our captain back. Then all the crew just loved him, as they shouted out with glee. Jean-Luc the bald head captain, you're the best captain in the galaxy. Jean-Luc, the bald head captain, had a very shiny head. And if you ever heard him, make it so, is what he said. All of the other captains, they used to all look up to him. Until Wolf 359, when they encountered the Borg and fight him. Then in one so daring move, Riker save the day. What do you do? What do you do? Data and Worf take a shuttle craft. Get to the cube and get our captain back. Then all the crew just loved him as they shouted out with glee. Jean-Luc, the bald head captain, you're the best captain in the galaxy. Make it so.